Welcome to CityGraceNY.com. Thank you for listening to this message recorded live at City Grace Church. So, oh man, it's tough, isn't it, when um, God sometimes chooses to sanctify us on Sunday morning. I was, I was like so frustrated this morning. I, I, I snapped at Christy. Christy was upset with me, so I apologized to Christy. I was a little bit frustrated with Sonia, so Sonia, I apologize to you as well. Sonia does a great job with the keynote, the, the, the PowerPoint projection, and uh, she's coming uh, from a long way off, so I apologize. And let's just give Sonia a round of applause for her hard work uh, with setting all that up and, and doing that uh, every other week. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, we actually have a hard stop at around quarter till. So I usually preach for about 30 minutes. So if I, if I preach for 30 minutes, um, there's going to be a bunch of pretty angry uh, elderly Chinese people that are coming in here demanding uh, the space. So I have to keep it really short. We also, um, we're going to celebrate communion today. So I'm going to try to, you know, I have this whole sermon prepared, and I, I was just thinking and praying about, um, as, we were, as we were worshiping this morning, um, kind of what, you know, what is the heart of what this passage was about. Like if I had to just sum it up in five minutes, which I do, I need to sum it up in five minutes. What, what, um, what, <laughs> what would be the main takeaway, the main point, okay? Um, <clears throat> so I have, to, I have to do that on the fly, I guess. But I'll tell you a real short story. Uh, there was a missionary whose name was Roger Greenway, and uh, Roger Greenway is the reason that I grew up in Japan because he was a missionary and uh, he was also a professor at Calvin Theological Seminary. And my dad, who also uh, was training to be a minister, was very influenced by the, this esteemed uh, you know, missionary pastor, Roger Greenway. And Roger Greenway was a huge believer in missions. He had served in missions for most of his career. He'd written numerous books on missions and missiology. Missiology is just the fancy word for the theology of missions. So and he had books on evangelism. I mean, this guy was a hardcore spreader of the gospel. That's what he believed his life was about. And so uh, he used to preach on missions, and the, the result of that was that my dad really was captured by this vision for missions. And so as they were thinking about where in the world they wanted to, uh, they felt called, uh, my mom was like, please don't send us to Africa. Please don't send us to Africa. It's too hot there. I need to go somewhere where they have air conditioning. So my dad was like, we're going to Japan. So, so that's why we ended up in Japan. But uh, Roger Greenway told an interesting story one time, and this is, you know, this is, I think, what the passage is about. When it comes to missions, when it comes to outreach, when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to spreading the gospel, it is so important that our lives match what we're saying, and that there is total consistency between the message and the relationship. The gospel, the words, the content of the gospel, along with the, the person that is communicating those. Because what Paul is doing here is recounting a story for the Thessalonians about what they already know. And that is his very brief time, maybe three to six months, that he actually spent in Thessalonica. So he says, you know, you know, you know, this is what we did, this is how we acted. But the whole reason Paul is doing that is because he wants them to realize that it was legitimate. Everything that happened was authentic, it was real, and it was legitimate. And the reason 
that he can say that confidently is because the way Paul conducted himself when in Thessalonica as he's ministering to these people matched up with what he was saying. There was alignment. So getting back to this Roger Greenway character, uh, he's passed away, um, but his wife is still living. But he told a very, very funny story, which was when they first moved to Sri Lanka, they uprooted their entire lives to go there as missionaries. And when you move to a foreign country back in the day, you just bring your suitcase, but then you, you pack up everything in a crate, your furniture, your goods, because, you know, they're leaving their home in the States, and so what are, they know they're going to be gone overseas for however many years. So, so they go, um, and they don't have their stuff. They just have the clothes basically on their back, and they, they spend about two months with very, very poor Sri Lankans in a, in a remote village. And they were making great inroads and relationships with the Sri Lankans as they were preaching the gospel. Folks were very poor. They have very little. And, and Roger and his wife, Edna, were basically on the same footing as them because they didn't have any of their stuff. So they lived in a very humble abode and, you know, were making do just fine. They were having a great time living and evangelizing, sharing the gospel among the Sri Lankans. And then about two months into their time in Sri Lanka, they look up and in the, dis- in the distance, they see a caravan and their hearts sank and they were filled with shame as they realized what was about to happen, which was that all their stuff, just boatloads of stuff that they had shipped from the United States was finally arriving, and the whole village came out and was like, what is all that? And it was all their material possessions following them after two months of having been perfectly fine without all that stuff. So they were humiliated, and the lesson was, you know, is what you're saying, is what you're preaching matching your life? Because if we say to the folks, it's not about money. Money is an idol. You don't need money. Trust in God for your happiness. And yet you yourself are living your life in such a way that you are dependent on your positions, dependent on your wealth, and you need all these things in order to, quote unquote, be happy with the people you're ministering to that completely undermines the, the gospel message. So, so the big idea here, and it's just one of the three points, is that nothing must get in the way of preventing the gospel that we're communicating, the content and the words uh, interfere with it. Nothing must interfere with it. Nothing must contradict it. So especially if you're looking at verses 3 through 6, for the appeal we make does not spring from impure error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by the gospel to be entrusted, approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know, we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We are not looking for praise from men, not from you or from anyone else. So the first kind of thing we see here is Paul has really thick skin. He absolutely, as he approached the Thessalonians to reach out to them, was not doing it to impress them. In fact, he says very clearly I don't care what you thought about me. I don't care what anybody says about me. But my motives are very, very pure. I have one reason that I'm doing this apostolic mission, and that is because I believe 
in the incredible gospel message that God has given me. He's entrusted it to me, and people need to hear this message. I think there's an important point here, which is that when it comes to witness or when it comes to mission, you really can't control the effects or the impact. You can only be faithful to what God has given you, discharge your duty, and then it really is up to God at the end of the day to move in people's hearts. You can't convince people of the gospel. You can't force people to believe the gospel. You can only do what God has called you to do. The results are up to God. And so Paul very much has that thick skin that I'm just going to do what God has told me to do. I don't care if I'm popular. I don't care if I'm loved. I don't care if I'm hated. Um, I need to do this because this is God has given me this responsibility, and they need to hear the gospel. They need to have the chance. Another big thing for Paul is that, and, and see, this is, this is very relevant because, you know, one of the biggest issues that a lot of folks have with the church is they see the church and they see Christians as wanting to evangelize in order to gain power, in order to gain money. And so I'm sure we've all seen in the news these stories of these incredibly wealthy ministers who travel on yachts and private planes, and it's all very embarrassing and only confirms what, uh, what the culture thinks, which is that the church just wants your money. So what did Paul do? Verse 9, Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel to you. Paul preached the gospel on his own dime. He worked all day, like everybody else, a regular, full-time job. He was a tent maker, so we understand that to mean that he worked with leather. He made tents. Uh, Some people think that actually that... That was a reference to the theater uh, industry because the theater industry at the time would have lots of stages with leather sets. And so it's possible he was involved with that. But anyway, the point is that he never relied on the Thessalonians for, for income or for food. He states elsewhere that he paid for everything he ate. He worked his own job in order that they could never say to him, Paul, you're just preaching the gospel because then we have to pay you and then that way you can make a living. So interestingly, he says, in fact, as an apostle, I could have insisted, I said, I could have, you know, worker is worth his wages. I could have insisted that you pay me. But he says, I never did that because I didn't want to be a burden to you. Why? Because he wants nothing to stand in the way of them believing and accepting the gospel. We see also that Paul went at great risk to himself uh, in Philippi, where he was just prior to going to Thessalonica. Uh, He was savagely treated. He was beaten up. He escaped the city uh, barely by the skin of his teeth. Uh, And we also see in verse 10 that Paul is so consistent in how he lives his faith. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you. So another aspect then, uh, and I'll share, I'll kind of close with this, is the way that Paul ministered to the people, his, I guess, his style or his model. And it's very interesting. Uh, I'll tell you what he says. He uses the language of motherhood. So he says in verses 6 and 7, As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. I think that's very interesting because when we think of an evangelist (laughs) I don't know what exactly you think of uh, when it comes to an evangelist, but sometimes I have this picture in my mind of like a, a you know, a dude, usually a dude, uh, 
on a blowhorn or shouting um, in a subway station type thing as an evangelist. Usually it's usually a guy. But it's interesting here that as Paul is talking about apostolic mission, the picture he uses is of motherhood, of a mother. So have you ever thought of evangelism, sharing your faith as mothering, as mothering? Uh, Agatha Christie, famous writer, she says, A mother's love for her child is like nothing else in the world. It knows no law, no pity. It dares all things and crushes down remorseless, remorselessly all that stands in its path. That's the love of a mother. Um, I get yelled at on a pretty consistent basis uh, with my kids on the street because I don't keep them safe enough sometimes. In fact, we were going for a scooter adventure yesterday. All three of us have scooters. So we go uh, explore the city, and I, I got yelled at. Uh, Gus completely wiped out. And uh, a gentleman kindly told me that I was insane. Um, this happens to me all the time, but I can guarantee you this has never, ever happened to Christy. No one will ever say to her, Lady, what are you doing? Why aren't you keeping your kids safe? Why? Because as a mother, it is her primary goal in life is to keep those kids safe and to love them. That's, that's a mother. A mother will wake up three times to breastfeed her baby in the middle of the night without even complaining. That is the love of a mother. Mothers would take a bus for you. Um, I visited a prison one time, and the warden was, he tested us with this question. He said, these prisoners have been in this prison a long time, and in the beginning, they have, you know, a number of visitors, brother, sister, girlfriend might come. But then after a year, after two years, he's like, the visitors stopped coming. But he said, but even after 20 years, 30 years, there is still a visitor who will come and visit these guys. Who do you think it is? It's the mother. The mother never, ever gives up hoping and caring about their children. That's an evangelist. That is evangelism. Mothering, according to Paul. And he says, we cared for you so much, right? A mother, there, there's no sacrifice a mother wouldn't make in order to make sure that her kids get what they need. He talks about fathering too, actually. Uh, so really, he, he, you could think of it both ways, mothering and fathering. But, but that's evangelism. And so I'll, I'll close with that. That as we're thinking, you know, as a church, seeking to reach folks who don't know Christ, don't know the gospel, right? Are we just getting people to try to sign on to something? Are we getting them, trying to get them to say a prayer so that we can check off that we did it? Or are our are, are, our hearts filled with that same kind of love for the lost, that, that you would consider yourself a mother because you care so much and you would pay any cost and be willing to do anything possible to show this person your love and to see that they get what they need. That's the challenge uh, to us this morning. I'll close with that. Lord God, um, we know that, that that kind of love, really only you are the one ultimately who who shows that to us in its fullest sense because you, Lord, were willing to give your life for us on the cross. And so, Lord, 
as we think about what it means to be a community that is reaching out, to be a community that is on mission, may we too, uh, like the Apostle Paul, live the gospel in the same way that we preach the gospel. May we be consistent, Lord, so that our message is never, ever compromised by anything. And people that you have chosen, that you have set aside um, to be respondents of the faith may be able to be welcomed into the family, brought into salvation, brought into eternal life through our ministry and through our prayer by the power of the Spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.